Hey there, and welcome to Baby Shroom Pod, a podcast where I think I'm just going to talk about whatever's on my mind. Art, cults, religion, trauma, yoga. Yeah. Thank you for listening on my first strange wandering episode. Let's see what happens. Let's get into it. So, um, after some contemplation and a couple of test runs, um, I decided for my first episode, this kind of intro let's see what the hell this is episode i think i'm going to talk about my poetry book well it is a poetry book but there is some flash fiction and as well as some collage photography um this is a book called the year of the dog which i wrote in um well i wrote between 2017 and 2018 And then in 2019, I decided to put it all together, to knit it into something, um, a complete project, if you will. And when I started writing these poems and pieces of flash fiction, I never was writing them with the intention of ever sharing them. I was writing them because I found myself in a deep well of sadness and grief and loss and confusion. And I was encouraged by my husband and then later my therapist at the time to explore those thoughts in writing, which is something that I did when I was in middle school, a little bit in high school, but mostly stopped doing when I entered college. Um, I went to... UNM and I studied film and then I worked in film for a few years. Um, I found myself on kind of a bigger budget set in the camera department and after about hmm, about six months on that set, which was a western, so it was particularly grueling, I thought, I can't do this. I just don't have the personality. that kind of work and sometimes I wonder if I quit because I was having a hard time finding work and I gave up but honestly even if I had been getting hired immediately after I don't think I could have handled it I I just don't have it in me to kind of live trusting I'm going to find work and surviving on the pretty ridiculous amount of money you make on set um, and making it stretch I just never saw myself as that person so I was baristing, um, and I was tutoring on the side, and I wasn't sure what I was going to do next. Um, Franco and I, that's my husband, we had just moved to a different town, and I was pretty lost, pretty confused. Um, and I think a lot of millennials have gone through this who have finished college And now it's time for them to start their careers. And it turns out to not be at all what you thought it was going to be. 
Um, I think we're the last generation to really fall for that college lie that everything is perfect when it's done. So um, I tried to explore some of my thinking with writing. And this is before I had really discovered uh, my love of watercolor and painting in general, as well as finding my style. So um, this was the only point in time I think I felt some respite from my own situation and some relief. I tell Franco it's funny because it's a very therapeutic experience to write, but it's like I almost enter a fugue state when I'm uh, writing or painting or producing any art. And when I'm on the other side of it, there's some product that I know is trying to tell me something, <laughs> trying to explain some emotional experience I'm having, but I don't remember it. I don't even remember uh, coming up with the words or the idea. Um, and I honestly don't most of the time know what it means until many months or years later. Um, so I thought I would take a look back at this book uh, over a year after I finished it, maybe read a few pieces and kind of contemplate what they mean. And then maybe talk about some of my art plans. We'll see. It's kind of the funny thing about art, and I do consider podcasts a very interesting art, is they just take on a life of their own, and they will be what they are going to be. So anyway, this book is called The Year of the Dog. And like I said, it's a collection of collage work that I did um, in and some scanning work that I did in undergrad, um, some flash fiction and some poetry. This is the first time I ever really worked on poetry and I would like to make a, another book. I would like to make a follow-up one. I have a collection of some random pieces that I need to finish and refine. So perhaps that's a project I could work on and, and talk through on this podcast. Um, the cover of this book is a collage image I did um, of a cutting and shaping of two pictures. One is of myself at 21, I think. 22 at the oldest, but I'm pretty sure I'm 21. Just so strange to look at myself from that time because, man, has a lot happened since then. There's a lot that girl did not know. And a picture of um, my first cat. Her name was Angel. Um, she was Franco's childhood cat who later in life came to live with us and stayed with us for the last four years of her life. And I had never had a cat. I had never been around a cat before. Um, and she was everything to me. I think she really showed me in her strange ways the kind of woman I wanted to be. I know that sounds strange coming from a cat, but she really showed me that I can, in fact, ask for exactly what I want and I don't have to settle for things less. And if I am uncomfortable, it is okay for it to be known that I am uncomfortable. Yeah, she, um, she's pretty special. Maybe I'll start with the poem that's about her. I was going to start with uh, the namesake of the book, The Year of the Dog, but I think I'm going to start with the poem I wrote about her, which is 
on page 31. It's called Mija, which in Spanish is my little girl. Hmm, let's see if I cry. <laughs> that would be uh, perfectly telling if I started crying within the first uh, 10 minutes of my first pod episode. Let's see. Mija. She was small and soft and fit in the palm of my hands. Cupped around her singular breath, in and out like waves lapping on the shore. Her fur was a black and white cotton, and she was mine. She was ours. In her small and animalistic ways, she made me feel confident. To find the voice I had abandoned in childhood, and the strength I had forfeited for an uncomfortable comfort. For such a small creature, she provided us with such immense strength to survive, to love, to blossom. In the end though, eternity finds us all. And I held her until her current ceased, until the last wave pulled inward to a permanent placid pool a type of love died then, a love I would only share with her. I would know it again in other forms, between friends and lovers, and the pain of dry land that became all too familiar would fade. I know this now, as I knew it then, when you placed a charcoal piece of purring satin into my hands. My womb stirred, and I felt a novel love, not like hers, not like ours, but still something that had roamed the desert for far too long. Hmm. I haven't read that one in a while. It's funny, these pieces of art, because there's elements of truth to it, a very raw truth, and then elements of it that are imagined and fictional feelings or situations. But I really loved her. I really, really loved her. That's a fascinating thing with having an animal is that that type of love, I don't know if it exists between humans, the kind of hmm, selfless love you have for an animal, like you know their time with you is so limited in comparison to your whole life so if you have an animal and you don't have children or you have an animal perhaps before you have children or when your children are small it's like you would do anything for them especially you know if that's who you are by nature and I don't have children and she was like my child but it's funny because <laughs> especially with girl cats you don't just get their love you earn it and you earn it every single day and you earn it several times a day it's different than like having a dog in that sense and it's different than having a boy cat I have a boy and a girl cat right now and my little charcoal satin that's scully she's so particular and Sometimes she will do, she will let me love on her, perhaps past what she would like, and then she gets upset. But 
most of the time it's all 100% on her terms. And I love that about her because I want to be like that. So I get, I love her selflessly and she also loves me back in a way that, I don't know, she can't ever provide for me in the way I provide for her, but she knows how to give me attention and love when I really need it and I'm having a hard time. And she also knows how to teach me to be a better woman. I don't know if that makes any sense or if I'm reading too much into what it is to have a cat, but um, yeah, it, was, it wasn't quite like any experience I'd ever had before. And so when Angel passed, it was, it was extremely painful, but I'm so grateful that she was in my life at all. And I don't know what my life will look like, you know, once Scully and Sam are old cats and they pass. But luckily, I don't have to think about that for a while. And I'm just so grateful for every day I have with them. And since we've been in quarantine and being home more, my relationship with them has developed and changed so much. And you see uh, Scully's relationship with Franco and I changing. When we adopted her, basically she had been left at my cousin's house by her owners. The broken tail, so skinny, obviously malnutrition because her legs had stopped growing. Um, And she was very scared of us, scared of everything. And it's been several years, about hmm, four years maybe. And now she's starting to trust us. She's starting to let her guard down. She's starting to be more affectionate in her own way. And it's just very interesting to watch. It's interesting to watch her learn how to trust. And and I learn from that a lot too, because I'm also learning how to trust. It's like we're two different species, but we're simultaneously learning to let go of our past trauma and failings and trust in something new. So, yeah. I guess this is what I mean, that this (laughs) pod will take on a mind of its own, because that was crazy, and I was not expecting to talk about that. So, okay, let's read another one. Let's read The Year of the Dog now. I don't know why I picked that name for this book. It's one of those fugue state things that I chose that I have no recollection of. It wasn't even the first poem that I wrote, but I picked it and I and I titled the document that and then later wrote the poem and it just felt right. I never wanted to change it. Um, who knows, maybe someday I'll figure out what the hell that meant. Okay, so here is the year of the dog. This one's on page 23. That year will feel like it is never going to end. The flashbacks will be daily. And panic will grow like moss in your chest, caking the walls on your lungs, thick and wet, sweet and suffocating. Your obsessions will be agonizing and addictive, like a needle in your skin and a flea in your hippocampus. But this is not forever. You are a child and no one blames you. There will be hands that are kind to you, will hold you until you feel safe. Don't worry, God won't hate you for it. You will learn to let go of that part too. Your skin won't feel like your own for a while now, but say it is your home. 
claim it as your own. That lie will begin to feel stable and soon you will forget you are lying. And you will have the strength you prayed for before you stopped praying. You will build a beautiful life between this mountain and canyon. The river will find you. God, there's so much to unpack in this. So much I was saying to myself and I didn't even know I was saying. Well, this is just to say that, uh, this is why art is so powerful. It's like you can work through things you didn't even know you needed to work through. And and you might not know it then, but you have so much relief because it's out now. It's out of you. And it's somewhere else. And it's living its own life outside of your brain. In 2019, I'm sorry, in 2018, um, after I had started writing these poems that I didn't know I was going to do something with, I was diagnosed with obsession compulsion disorder, which oddly was a relief. Because I thought I was crazy. I thought I was absolutely insane. And I thought the rituals and habits and tactics I was doing were just (laughs) the motions of a crazy person. And then, I don't know, it all just made so much more sense. And I was able to get the help I needed and learn some techniques and... It's just interesting because I see that in here. I remember feeling like those few years would never, ever end, that I was going to die inside of my own head before my physical body did. That's a wild thing. If you're lucky enough to have people in your life who tell you you need help, get help. And if you don't, Well, use your art and see what your art is trying to tell you. And this art was telling me, bitch, get some help. (laughs) But I kind of needed the push. I kind of needed to be, I kind of needed to be told that's what I needed to do next. So, yeah, I actually opened up this book with two quotes that I think perfectly summed up my early 20s, which is so strange to me that I'm on almost the end of my 20s. I'm definitely on the other side of them, the early 20s. So much happens in those years. And I don't know if the rest of my life will be like that. Maybe it's like that for any chunk of your life that just so much happens, but I feel like it has slowed down a lot. I mean, stuff is obviously happening. It's obviously busy and crazy and insane, but it's not, it will never compare to the chaos of 18 to 25. It's like you're being born again. I know you have rebirths several times in life, but it was as if I was an infant in the world learning how to walk and talk. Because you kind of are. And it doesn't matter how anybody sets you up for it. When you're young, you have so much hubris and you're so sure of yourself. You'll never listen to them anyway. So you have to learn it all on your own. Unless you're not an idiot and you listen to your elders. Or you have support, you know, that you can trust. I was just talking to my friend Sarah, who, you know, hopefully if I can figure this shit out with this pod, 
will do an episode with me about cults and religion because oddly we met during my cult experience. Oh, and I have so much support for this. I have so many amazing women in my life who want to be a part of this. And I just feel really fortunate for that. And I want, I, I do want to do something with this. It feels right. It feels good. But um, anyway, we met in college and we were talking about how we just could not believe the things we were capable of in our 20s. How little we slept, how little we ate, how little we took care of ourselves and still were somehow very successful. I mean, we took... We, we would take early morning classes and evening classes and we'd be on campus all day and the days we were off, we would be working and oh my God, we would park in the sketchiest, worst parking lots off campus um, to save money because we were so poor and somehow survived that. And I can barely do my one job, which to be fair is a very taxing and grueling job, but I can barely do that and be much use anywhere else. Um, and I just don't know how we did it. You just have a different kind of energy, which I'll, I'll probably in a few years will wish I had the energy I do now. Um, I just don't know how we survived that time. But it's interesting. I think we survived it because we were desperately trying to work away from our trauma like maybe if we worked ourselves to a beat and end at the end of the day there would be no energy or space or time needed to contemplate and work through trauma because we'd be so exhausted so then you come out of college and it like dumps on you like a wave like as if you've been stoned or drunk for four years drunk on your own self ambitions drunk on your own power to be successful with little to nothing to support you and then you wake from it and it's like oh my god all this stuff is still here I thought it went away why what are you talking about I have to deal with it now I'm a successful educated woman but we weren't we were still children still kids yeah it was good talking to her the other day it's wild. I There are a few friends that I've had for a very long time. I mean, one of my closest friends, we've been friends for almost 20 years, but it's so interesting to talk to those people that I knew before I started my educator career and before I started this art page because they see a side of me and I see a side of them that it doesn't really exist anymore, but it's fascinating to talk about still. Because I wouldn't exist where I am now without young baby shroom. <laughs> anyway, I open up this book with two quotes that I felt like really summed up where I was at this point in my life. And I love, I love both of these quotes. They mean so much to me now. And they have aged beautifully, because I think they're very telling of where I'm at right now in my life. So the first one is from Christopher Hitchens. In one way, I suppose, I have been in denial for some time knowingly burning the candle at both ends and finding that it often gives a lovely light. Christopher Hitchens was a very complicated person to admire. I guess most of our heroes are. The most magnificent people are also the most hurt and difficult to wrap your head around. But um, 
He died, I would think, very young. He died at 62 from esophageal cancer. Um, in the later half of his life, he smoked and drank very heavily. I mean, he did most of his life, but often appearing on television just shit-faced. Um, he had a, a wild existence full of controversy and breakthroughs and sometimes it's like to have those realizations it takes years off of your life because of the journey in which you take to reach it um and it was just interesting when I heard him say that because I feel that way I've always felt that way I can't tell you a time in my life even from being a child where I wasn't burning at both ends when you grow up in a house with young parents just trying to do their best and a lot of chaos and confusion and it leads to a symptom called the golden child syndrome, which I will somehow include with this that I've experienced and didn't realize that's what it was until I was already in my mid twenties of wanting to be so pleasing to everyone that you make yourself as small as humanly possible and not give to yourself but always giving to others and somehow when you're giving to yourself you're just working so hard to be successful to continue to please others um and although I still struggle with that I do think I have made progress in that way of making boundaries and saying no to things because I don't have to make everybody happy. That's not what my existence is for anymore. And I think slowly I am breaking a cycle of burning at both ends and not caring what the end result is. If anything, this pandemic has shown me that I do very much so care what the end result is. I care what happens in my life. But I also care what happens in me. And I'm not willing to have my life end much sooner than it should because I want to make everything right and perfect because we can't. There's this wonderful Buddhist, this Buddhist uh, parable. That doesn't sound right, but this Buddhist parable, because I can't think of another word, about sweeping your own garden and how we can only have influence on the things right in front of us. And sometimes that means just yourself. Sometimes that means your small community. And sometimes if you're in a per position of power, it's something much larger. But to have the weight of the world on ourselves can only lead to burning at both ends. And I just have too much I want to do to have my life cut short from exhausting myself to death. So it's tough. It gives off a beautiful light. It is so fulfilling. It is so incredible to be wanted and needed and to be able to serve in that way. And it does give you a power in its own right. But I'm also really trying to take a backseat to that and not turn it off completely. I mean, it's my nature. I can't help myself. I'm a person of service. I will probably be a public servant for the rest of my life. That doesn't mean I have to die in my public servant chair. 
I can still be my own human within that existence. It's a process. It's going to take a really long time. That's, you know, over 20 years of programming I'm undoing. I'm trying to work out of. And I'm accepting now it's probably time to go back to therapy because I'm ready to start working on that again. Which leads to the second quote. It's very ironic. These have aged so well. It's from Carl Strzok, who is a very important person in my life and a musician, whose info I will try to include here as well. And it's from one of his songs. It's called Good Things Start Small. Very simple, straightforward. Good things start small. And good things really do. They start with the little steps of, you know, realizing you're worthy of being taken care of. If that means by yourself or by your partner or by your family. Not saying you stop putting in the effort for yourself, but that you are, you're worthy of it. You're worthy of help. You're worthy of love. You're worthy of grace. That's definitely been my journey with yoga, which I will talk about in another episode because I don't want this to ramble on for 10 hours. But that every time I get on the mat, I have to tell myself, you are worthy of this time. You are worthy of this time to take care of yourself. And maybe in the end, that's what this book was. Was showing myself that my art is worthy of being put into one place or my art is worthy to be heard. It was after I made this book that I started drawing again. And in about January of 2020 is when I first started to watercolor and everything just kind of clicked. It was like, oh my God, this is the craft of like my soul. I, I don't know a less cheesy way to put that, but it's true. I've never felt more in touch with myself than I do when I watercolor. And I've been creating these weird alien creatures that I just feel so connected to. And it's not like anything I ever thought I'd be making. I thought I wanted to do dark, hyper-realistic pieces. But there's something about these (laughs) alien babies that are just everything to me. I owe them my survival through this pandemic. And it started really small. I had never an intention to share it. And then I just decided, fuck it, I will. What's the worst that can happen? And people liked it. And it resonated with people, which I still to this day will never understand. But the same thing happened with my poetry. It resonated with people. Not a lot of people, but the fact it resonated with a single person is, I don't know. It's like every artist's dream and nightmare at the same time because we never feel like we're worthy of recognition. It's like the plight of being an artist, but you want you want the recognition, but you won't accept it. It's very complicated, and I don't know how to explain it. It's definitely part of the golden child syndrome as well. So anyway, all that's to say is good things start small, and even if that small thing is just for you, that's a beautiful thing. Fuck, this podcast might be just for me. Who knows if I'll ever finish editing this and share it. I hope I do, because I want to. I genuinely want to, but uh, yeah, it starts small, and that's okay. So I think I want to end this with a couple of thoughts and then a poem that I have in the works. I have all of these pieces in the works that I'm going to finally like write down and organize and then retype so that I can hopefully produce another short book 
it was such a wonderful experience the first time and I'd like to do it again. So a few thoughts. Uh, first thought, whatever your trauma is, it's not stupid and it matters. I have grappled with some things that I have experienced and a part of the survivor's guilt is thinking about all of the other worst thing that is happening to people around you or people in the world. So you minimize what has happened to you and think it's dumb and it doesn't matter and it's not worth addressing or exploring. But you are you. You're only you. And you can experience and empathize and be a part of the greater world, but you have to live with you. I mean, the pandemic has definitely shown that to me for sure. I've had to work through a lot of shit I would have rather not ever addressed, but I've been alone, you know, at home, working at home and spending most of the day alone. And you have to, and they do matter and they're worth exploring. Whether that means that you talk to somebody you paint, you write, you sing, you dance, whatever it is, it's, it's worthwhile and you matter and your experiences do matter. I was having those thoughts today during yoga, which I guess I, I could talk for 25 more minutes, but we'll talk about it at another time. But, uh, that was something I was meditating on today in class, in my class with myself of my experiences matter and my, I am worthy of the of the love and the time I give myself on the mat and in my art. Um, secondly, I guess with myself, I'm realizing that although pride has taken me very far in my life, it is probably the reason that I am alive is my pride. Um, it's also holding me back from the next chapter in my life. And a part of letting go of that pride is sharing my art. So if you're listening to this, thank you. I don't really expect anybody to, but if anybody does, thank you. I think I need this. And I hope whatever this is, when it's said and done, resonates and helps people who need it also. So thank you. And if you enjoy my art and have told me so, thank you. You have no idea what that means to me. I have started artistic ventures since I was a child. I think I got my first job editing videos when I was 15. And I was doing stuff before that. And I never thought it would ever turn into something. And even if it's small, because it is, it really means a lot to me. Okay, so um, here's the poem I kind of want to wrap this up with that I feel has aged well because it is a pre-pandemic poem <laughs> that I feel very akin to even at this time. Um, it is called Awakenings, working title. The whole poem is a working poem, obviously, because I haven't finished working on any of this stuff. So, awakenings. On the edge of every sentence, the fringe of our younger tongues, I love you. The moments, they pass through so quickly, 
caught in the whirlwind of youth and maturing. There were times when I thought, I can't wait to be in my 30s. So over the turmoil of setting up my life. Building foundations upon fractures, fragments upon fragments for over two decades. I see it different now though, on the tail of my 20s. I feel a life of chasing immortality while being shockingly aware of the pain in my spine, the throbbing in my thighs, and not from the sight of a strapping man. I see the days slipping into years and into eternity, and I am so afraid. I want to see it all. Every detail and flower petal, every fight and breathless moment in the arms of a lover, and yet the present overflows in waves and buckets into the past. Moments are blurring, and a long for a youth remains in a place I did not know existed. How do I fight between the present and the inevitable, the eventual, the eternal? How do I cherish the moment in front of me while seeing my mother grow old? How do I return to a time when all I knew of this was for now, but too foolish to know what that really meant? In truth, I do not want to die. Yet I find myself chasing it in circles, as if nature will always have her way. <sighs> Still don't really know what that means yet, but kind of. Slowly making sense. Slowly coming together. I think what it means is just to enjoy what we have now, because... The last, God, six years, but mostly the last year, has shown us nothing is guaranteed. Nothing is certain. So pride aside, I'm going to push forward and try to embrace this moment of creative freedom I'm experiencing and see where it takes me. See where it takes us, if you're listening. So I think that's all for now. I think I'll see what happens with this, and perhaps maybe next time someone will be on this with me. Perhaps maybe we'll talk about something planned, or maybe we'll just talk. I don't know. It's kind of like uh, Trixie's and Katya's show. I want it to feel like that. Of It's my show, and I just want to talk about what I want to talk about. Even though I'm terribly embarrassed about what I want to talk about. But I guess that's a part of letting the pride and... The control go and just letting it be what it is and letting it live the life it wants to live on its own outside of my brain yeah yeah i think that's a good plan thank you again for listening to this and thank you for any suggestions or ideas or thoughts you have about what this could be i'm um i'm pretty excited i'm pretty excited to take this next step okay i hope you're safe I hope you're warm. And I hope you have a good show to watch. I'll talk to you soon. Bye.